Uh, all right, all right, all right. Hey, everyone, I don't know if you know this. Uh, it, it is a dream that we got this podcast up because our friend, our rabbi, is in the midst of his Super Bowl week. But he said, I'm coming on this podcast to talk because we got Reverend Ron Bird coming on and Brianna Taylor decision came out. There's the, the, the streets are ablaze and we need to talk about empathy and how to have anxious conversations in houses of faith. So Rabbi, you made it. I made it. I'm here and I am engaged. You are, here. you are here. You got stories for us. You have sermons to write. You got daughters to love and you have a congregation to nurture. But right here, right now, you're here with me, your favorite priest, also our producer, the voice of uh, the Seahawks and I mean the Mets. And we are going to go for another episode. So check us out today on this podcast. We have Reverend Ron Bird, who is the canon, which is like a, a big fancy term for like the head of Black Ministries for the Episcopal Church. Um, and he's going to talk about how do you start these difficult conversations? Because um, you can't ignore them. And as people of faith, we cannot ignore them. Even if they get us all lit up, we don't have to do what culture does. We do what people of faith do, which is listen compassionately to one another, try to understand one another, um, and try to uh, move forward in that with healing. All right, so let's get ready to rumble. We're going to bring our rabbi along and lift him up. God, be with us. Here we go for another episode of this podcast. I'm a priest and a rabbi. Subscribe! A priest, a rabbi, a priest, a rabbi, a priest, a rabbi. The opinions you hear from on this show do not represent WSTU, since they probably regretted over allowing the show on the air in the first place. Nor do they represent Temple Beit Hayam or St. Mary's Episcopal Church, since they also wonder what the heck they did when they called these two men to lead their respective congregations. On that note, sit back, relax, Grab your Bible or Torah and enjoy another episode of A Priest and a Rabbi. All right, all right. Good morning, everyone. My name is Father Christian, and next to me is the best darn good-looking rabbi you've seen this side of the Jordan River. It is Rabbi Matthew Durbin from Temple Beth Chaim. All right, my brother, how are you? And uh, I am from St. Mary's Episcopal Church. And we are uh, with our wonderful producer, Mr. Evan Nine. You'll recognize his voice because he is the voice of the Yankees. And he is a, um, no, he is the voice of the Mets. He is the voice of the Mets. And he will, so if anything bad goes on, just blame it on him because he's producing this whole thing. If anything weird comes out of our mouths, if we say something that offends you, it's because Evan gave us the script to say it all. Uh, in any event, uh, so Listen, it, it is it is a rambunctious time out in the world as it has been for a while, and it continues to get a little busier with uh, with, with with just um, wild things to talk about. And uh, things have picked up, of course, uh, with the announcement of uh, of the case regarding uh, Breonna Taylor. And as men of faith, um, we we always want to we talk about on the show that we don't want to shy away from the big hot topics, and we don't want to shy away from it inside of our in our congregations. Uh, and, and there's a temptation to just kind of go and just gloss over it, especially if what's happening is if that hot topic doesn't really affect uh, personally your community. And what I mean by that, let's say you have a very white 
uh, congregation and maybe a little removed from 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 uh, uh, any kind of like a diversity. And you might be like, well, you know, the Brianna Taylor didn't really affect me. Um, but that's that's not true. It affects us all as people of faith because we're all part of the children of God. And when we see injustices, we want to talk about it. So, but, but but I think Father Anderson, I think that's just it. Is that whether or not we we acknowledge the the imprint or you know, we might say it, will, it really doesn't affect me. It, it, it does in the regards to if we unpack the message and clearly, you know, the 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 social value that's in it is that there is no respect or um, 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 ability to understand the sanctity of human life. Is that is that if you know instances like Breonna Taylor or you know George Floyd, you know these issues. In, in and of themselves represent a larger whole that I think we need to address and we need to really unpack and, 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 and come to terms with. Right. And so what we're trying to also learn is skill sets on unpacking it without losing people in that conversation, right? Because you and I can start these conversations with folks, uh, but folks might just tune out, right? Because they, they, they have a definitive view that might be very different than what you just said. Uh, but we don't want to lose them. We want to engage them and bring God into this, um, obviously, and see through that lens. Um, so we, we brought on a, a, a dear colleague of ours, um, Reverend Ron Bird, who is also, a, you're going to like this, Rabbi, he's another canon. Boom. So he's another canon of the Episcopal Church. He works for, uh, as many of you on this, uh, our listeners know, um, the, the, the royal wedding uh, preacher. He, he, he works for Bishop Michael Curry, um, and he is the canon uh, for Black Ministries for the Episcopal Church. Um, so we are... Very honored to have him. Um, he and I were on a big webinar yesterday, um, and uh, I just said, "Hey, man, you got to be on the show." And he's like, "Well, I got to be on the show. I got to be on a Zoom with the United Nations tomorrow." I was like, "Well, let's let's slip you in." So we're going to jump right to to to, to Rev. What's Ron. more important, the United Nations or a priest and a rabbi radio podcast? A priest and a rabbi radio broadcast. <laughs> <laughs> Reverend Rod, thank you for making the space and coming in here and being with us. Thank you for having me. All right, so real quickly, because I, I, I know we want to move quickly because uh, we want to honor your time here, uh, but just, just give, give us a nice little, little snapshot of, of, of really what your focus is and what you do for, for, for the church and for God's kingdom. Well, well I, I have what I often say is one of the best jobs in the church. I have the honor of working for the presiding bishop, uh, Michael Bruce Curry, um, and I oversee Black ministries for the Episcopal Church which include black ministries, include people of African descent. My territory covers 111 dioceses, 16 countries, and people of color across the Episcopal Church, including Afro-Cubans, Afro-Haitians, um, South Africans, East Africans, West Africans, African-Americans, Caribbean folks. So you see there's diversity within my um, group that I cover for the Biden oh, yeah. Bishop. And my responsibility is to make sure that they are fully represented within the church and also to provide for programs and projects that affect people of color in the church. So you get to travel a bunch. For the last two years, I've done over 120,000 miles, um, aeronautical miles, um, as you might expect. This year, I've been enjoying a wonderful time home with my <laughs> wife and children. And Zooming um, And so it's been great. Um, a lot of people, when we think about COVID being locked up or being at home, for me, it's been a lot of grace to be here with my amazing wife and children for the last um, six months. 
but we've been grounded by the presiding bishop um, through the rest of the year, only essential travel. And we don't expect to get back to a normal travel schedule until mid-year 2021. Okay, okay. So do you feel guilty since you've, you've flown so many, you get so many miles? I ask this to a lot of people in the church who fly a lot that like Scott Gunn, like you, you, you probably automatically get bumped to first class because you have so many miles. And then do you feel guilty as a, as a clergyman that you're sitting in first class? No, I do not feel <laughs> guilty at all. <laughs> and because of my miles, I do often sit, oftentimes sit in first class. Um, so no, no guilt there at all. You're I, a tall guy too. You're not, you're not, you're not any, you know, you're, you're, you're no five, sixer. I mean, you're, you're at least six feet, aren't you? Yes, I'm six feet. So I need the space, right? So yes, sir. Fine. I ask this because I'm six six. So if I'm in a situation where I'm flying a lot and I get bumped, I just want to know that I have the, the permission from such an honorable man as yourself and a reverent man of God that it's okay to accept the first class. It's okay you know, unless you're bumping me out of first class. <laughs> and, 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 and look, look, as one who definitely empathizes with you know the extra leg room. I mean, I too struggle with it because I'm only five six and a half, and you know the five six and a half. I, I, I need that room. I need that room. You do. Yeah. It's, 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 we, we all need the room. So, all right. So let, let's talk about creating, creating, creating some space here, creating some room um, because it gets awfully tight in these really hot, hot, these, these hot conversations, hot topics. And right now the hot topic is Breonna Taylor. Um, so Reveron, you know, we, we, we are in um, Matthew Durbin and I are, our, our context is that we're in a place where, you know, people are not storming the streets crying foul on, on Breonna Taylor, right? So people are gonna have some very different takes on it. Um, and, you know, I've heard from folks like, hey, don't deal drugs and don't get involved with people who are her criminals and you'll be fine. And, and, if, and, if, and, if, and if her family would have done that or whatever, and, and there's a lot of misinformation about all the circumstances that went around it, of course, um, be though as it may, uh, do you recommend that because you gave a really good question yesterday which was challenged me which is changing actually my sermon for this weekend you said what are you all preaching on this sunday in regards to brianna taylor and you got real silent because it was it was reverend ron and four white guys four priests and uh, it got real silent because i don't think anyone had planned to so i appreciate you holding us accountable um but how do we how do we begin to foster um conversations with people who will have very different views, you know, the, 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 what, what uh, the rabbi just said earlier, this is about sanctity of life. This is about the dignity of life for every single human being. What if people are like, listen, just bad circumstances. You're involved with an ex-boyfriend who's got a, who's a drug dealer, et cetera, et cetera. This is what's going to happen. Um, how, without getting lost, I mean, I guess, I guess we're all asking how, how do you begin these conversations? Do you do a one-on-one? -on -one? Do you say, hey, let's meet after church or after, after you know, the synagogue? And, and do we do it on Zoom? Do we do it in person? And do you do it in a sermon and risk half the people tuning out? What, what are your initial thoughts and just some guidance? Well, well I think um, yeah, we, we have to create sacred spaces for people to be able to engage, right? And that sacred space begins in our synagogues and in our temples and in our um, churches. Um, if you remember Martin Luther King, when he was on the scene, that's where people gathered in the church. And, and that's where people discuss issues around um, society and things that affected us all. I think we need to get back to that space. Um, and I believe that the gospel speaks about that. We're often challenged by this in the church, um, not to talk about political issues. Right. That's 
not where I am. Okay. I think that's the, the rule is to be clear to to our audience. The rule is is that we cannot tell people who to vote for. The rule is not does not impact us on addressing these issues. And when you're when you're when you're talking about rule, just explain to everyone what you mean by that. Um, the, the the restriction on clergy persons, um, talking directing folks who to vote for. In regards to the IRS and our nonprofit IRS status, right? In regards to our IRS status, and also um, I think also being um, nonpartisan in that regard. I think we have a responsibility to do that. We have a responsibility to preach the gospel, which the gospel is nonpartisan, right? There's no blue states, red states, no conservatives, no liberals, and, and that's where we 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 have to address it at. Um, so I think we have to create the safe space, and yes, it can be challenging. And if we're going to engage these issues, in particular issues around race, and be disruptive, it's going to be confrontational. But we have to find those soft spots. And those soft spots, I think, began with establishing baselines of fact. So even the Breonna Taylor situation, we all cannot still agree on what the basic facts are. The fact of the matter is, is that the person that they were looking for was not in her home. She had had a previous relationship with the gentleman several months ago. So that's the beginning part. So the drug dealer they were actually looking for was not what they found when they went in her home, nor did they find any drugs or anything of that sort. So it's, it's just like around COVID, if I might say. I was talking to a very, very dear friend and colleague the other day, and he denied that there was a COVID virus. He said it was a hoax. And so I told my friend, I said, well, we can stop right there because if we can't agree on a baseline mm. that COVID-19 exists, mm. then we're not gonna get very far in this conversation. Mm -hmm. So I think we have to agree, begin to agree on some basic sets of facts and truth. And I think that's what's being lost today in America is, mm. is the ability to look at a set of facts and draw similar conclusions. I think- So, so, so our, our news cycles don't help. Because, right, because depending on which news cycle you're watching, you're going to get a different set of facts. Exactly. You, you would get a different set of facts. And that's unfortunate as well um, that we have that situation. I think it's on both sides as well when you watch the news in many instances. Sure. You know, and it's, 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 it's interesting in terms of tackling an issue that does not need to be political, but is politicized in a way that serves one or the other. You know, we can look at it from a race issue, from a gender issue of gender inequality in this country, to, you know, racism, discrimination, all of these, of the, these, these challenges that impact us that are being used in divisive ways to split us apart. And, and, you know, Reverend Ron, as you suggested, look, you know, part of the challenge too is it's not so much, at least for me, it's not so much the conversation that um, exists. It, it, as it is about the civility and the ability to listen uh, before we stop the conversation altogether. And I guess, look, as a rabbi and as a member of this planet, you know, I, I, I think the challenges that we're faced with is how do we engage in conversations that, in the, that are so heavily emotionally and spiritually and physically charged in some way to be able to bring that and look at it from a social value perspective and how we can progress forward with it while at the same time tackling these major issues that whether they affect us or not in the grand scheme of things they will affect us in some way they affect their society they affect our families they affect our communities 
but how do we how do we bring that message forward when somebody's ears or eyes uh, have been closed? Right, and, and and of course, uh, Rabbi Durbin, that is the challenge, right? When people close their eyes to what's going on, and I certainly agree with you. These issues affect us all, and I think that's the beginning point. So when we talk about again establishing this baseline. We have to understand that these issues and these challenges that America faces today affects all of us. Uh, you know, we're, we're all a part of the body of Christ and we're all affected in these issues. So I think that's a beginning point. That's a starter for a conversation. Okay, so we got this. And I like how you started off though, when you're gonna get in the conversation about these, like, can we agree on a baseline of facts? Right, right? you know, there because there's all these different facts in it. And I think, so that's step one. So if you can't get past step one, then do you say, let's just, I, I don't know, how, do, you, do you just excuse yourself from the conversation? I think in some cases you, you have to, because in some, in some instances, um, it's just like, as, and I, I hate keep going back to COVID, but it is the big issue of the day. But even this issue around wearing masks, for example, the scientists have spoken on this. You know, I'm not a scientist. I, I would to say that Rabbi Durbin is not a scientist or Father Christian, you're not a scientist. So we have to listen to the experts. Why are we debating that, right? And so I do think in some instances to, to move, remove yourself from the, the opportunity for confrontation, we have to remove ourselves, right? And, and in some instances, as I was um, reading something yesterday from the, um, the uh, U.S. Um, uh, medical attorney, uh, general, he said, at this point, we're not arguing facts, right? It's politicized around mass, right? You know, at this point, you know, there's not much to be said about arguing about whether there is systemic racism, systemic and structural racism in the United States of America. Uh, you just have to look around. It, it, is, it is as visible as the air. And so I think in some instances, if people are not willing to at least begin to um, help or work towards an establishing a, break, break, a baseline of facts, then we're going to get lost in the conversation. All right. So if you have, so if, if so, if let's say, um, so I mentioned Breonna Taylor and I, and I realized that you got a little bit of time here, so we're going to, um, but, but let's say that if someone, I preach on it, I talk about it and it, what I want to do is invite folks who are, um, let's say don't have no sympathy for anyone who's out there protesting and definitely have no sympathy towards anyone who's, who's looting. Um, unfortunately, police officers were shot. Um, so that's, that's, that's a horrific tragedy, but so, but, but there's, there's a lot of anger, right? And so if I mention something in my sermon and I get that email, you know, as you know, as a preach, as, as, as preachers, gentlemen, you've gotten the email. Um, so would you, would you say the next step is, Hey, why don't we come together? And, and why don't we, why don't we, why, can we talk about this? You know, because yeah. it, 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 I think if one-on-one, -on -one, it might be able to be diffused. We heard a great story yesterday on the webinar that we, that we were both on about someone who did that, about Black Lives Matter. And he preached about Black Lives Matter. His person was extremely upset about, you know, it's a Marxist organization, et cetera, et cetera. And they had a good sit down. But it probably, I, I attribute that to his skill set of just being compassionate and loving her and creating a space where she would actually listen to him. So. Um, once that, let's say that once that appointment gets set and the person comes in, 
what, what, what are some guidance on, on how to, uh, uh, like for me, right? So, uh, so I'm going into that meeting. How do I prepare my mind and heart for that? Well, I think, I think for and foremost for all of us that have the privilege of uh, being a linking pin between God and God's people and, work, and serving in this vocation, we start with prayer. We start with prayer and ask that it's not us that speaks, but it's the spirit that comes in and that moves this conversation. Um, so of course we start with prayer to get our minds right. I think the second thing that, that we have to do is be a listener. You know, we have to hear the other person out, the person who wrote the email to your father. What what is it, what what is it that they're trying to say? How is it that they're trying to communicate? Because for some reason, um, they feel and understand themselves to be at a certain place. And we can't argue that because each of us individually are. So I think listening is, is the first part. Just sit back and Mary, tell me what's on your mind about this. What bothered you about my sermon on Sunday? Um, where, where are your points of disagreement or contention? And let them voice that. And then not to come back in a, in a defensive way, right? Because um, we're not going to agree. You know, when, when we preach on Sundays, right, if there's... 10 people now in our church, maybe it used to be 100, but if there's 10 <laughs> people in our church, each person sitting in that space receives that message in a different way. And, and, and if we've done our job, that's what we're hoping to accomplish, right? That I'm speaking to each person in that congregation or in that parish, and they will hear that message in a different way. And if Mary, using her as a euphemism here, uh, receives it, in a certain way and comes in and want to talk about it, I have to respect that, right? And, I, and, and the question is also, what I've been learning, is not, I mean, you as a listener can't get emotional. No. You know, because you, and, and can't get, that, that part you said, don't get defensive. Mm. You know, as, my, as my boss tells me, he's like, listen, the senior pastor of my church is like, they listen to you every week. They sat through your sermon for 15 minutes, right? Mm -hmm. So so now you got to sit and listen to them. And, and but so they're saying things that are going to really challenge some core beliefs. Um, you have to really just walk into that patience and compassion and love and just listen to it. Okay, so you listen and then and then and then and then being non-judgmental and not offering any rebuttal or advice. I mean, people are not, at least in my experience, people aren't asking in some degree for your opinion. They want their voice to be heard. They want they want to be acknowledged. They want to be validated. Yeah, that's right. And that's that empathetic listening part that we were talking about even yesterday, right? Right. And so, so, so now with the, the point, they, so is the idea that once someone is able to have the space to be able to speak what they need to speak, then we, that right there, perhaps the, the tension factor comes, comes down a bit. It might, there's a release of pent up aggression that was there. I got that out. And then now your response though, can't be a, a rebuttal though. I mean, the temptation is that you want a rebuttal. I've been in the situation and I was like, nope, can't go there. I'm trying to rebuttal. I'm trying to now prove my point what I was trying to make in the sermon, but that's not what I'm there to do. No, no. And, and I think the next step is really is to, in an equal exchange, is provide resources and data um, so that we can get to that baseline point, right? You know, so again, using Mary, Mary, you know, some of the things I've been reading is, you know, white fragility or um, cast or some of these things. You know, I'd like to share these resources with you. And then Mary may want to share some resources with you as well. 
um, that you may want to, to reference. Um, so I think that's the next point is not to even debate, but here's my point of reference. Share your point of reference. And then we need to, to look into that. I said, what would happen? And this would be an interesting experiment. If between now and the election, if everyone just switch their sources of news, right? right? So I, I watch a lot of CNN, some MSNBC, and even I watch Fox. Um, but what if Fox was my main entree for the next 30 days or for a while, right? And if my friends that watch Fox, what if their entree was CNN or MSNBC, right? right? Because we're going by each other this way because we're not talking about the same thing, right? Right. What if we just pause to really to listen to and think about what those that are um, that have a different views than we do, if we just listen to where their, their source of information was coming from? Yeah. How about that? Yeah. You know, and I have to tell you, my friends, um, you know, I do. I watch a good portion of Fox because my interest was is what are people hearing mm -hmm. that would make them behave in some ways that I just don't find appropriate. Um, and I go back to the mass issue because that's one of the biggest things I think that's holding us back from this COVID experience. Um, it's half of the country don't want to wear a mask because for whatever reason, it's their, it's their right not to wear a mask. Um, so what if we were to listen to the other, right? What if we were to spend our time? What if Ron Bird would spend his news cycles that he watch on TV Watching Fox, and not trying to just gain fodder to 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 tear it down right. and say I'm trying to take but take the but all but also I'm trying to understand. I'm really trying to understand. I'm trying right. to understand the voice. You know, I explain to that. people all the time. You know, companies, corporations spend millions of dollars for a 30 second spot on the Super Bowl, right? right? Millions of dollars just for 30 seconds on the Super Bowl. You know why? because it works. If you tell someone something over and over and over and over again enough time, they will come to believe that. Before becoming a priest, I spent my early part of my career as a marketing manager for Hercules Aerospace and General Dynamics Land Systems, weapon systems. Believe that from, from bombs and bullets to the Bible. But right. that was my job, was to convince people to believe what I said was good for them as a marketing manager. And the same is happening now, right? And so what I'm encouraging people to do is listen to the other. Find out what they're hearing or what they're seeing in, in, in any matter that, this, that is not where you don't share the same opinion. And so this is that whole resource part I was talking about a few minutes ago. I need to read what you're reading. I need to hear what you're hearing. Right. And then maybe, I can put myself in this in the place where you are, right? Right. And as as Rabbi Durbin says, you know, we, we're just seeing the top of this pyramid, right? Or the, the iceberg, right? There is so much underneath all of this. So much. This, this, this what we see <clears throat> is minimal to what the iceberg has underneath the surface, right? Sure. And this goes back, particularly when we talk about race, goes back 400 years, right? Um, you know, even when we talk about our politics now, our polarized politics, this is not something that just happened in the last four years. This has been happening 
over a period of time for the last several decades where we've become more and more polarized. Sure. Why is that? And so again, I just think we need to listen to the other with empathetic listening. Well, that is, uh, um, thank you, Ron. And because that, that is, that is a, tr a true skill set that, if, that hopefully that uh, people of faith can model because it's gonna take a long time for us to get there. Um, and so as Jews, as Christians, um, as Muslims, as people of faith, that, that we can we can be the models for that and create the sacred spaces for empathic listening. And uh, and I definitely want to be have empathic listening to your schedule because I know the United Nations is expecting you right now. And so uh, we are we are honored, my brother, that, that you came on the show and to give us a charge and um, hold us accountable and to give us some good advice here. So God bless you, brother. Thank you, uh, and uh, I really appreciate it, Reverend Ron. I know you got a busy day, so I bless you. Look forward to having you on the show soon, my man. And thank you so much, and Reverend Durbin, it's so nice to meet you, and God's blessings to you and those those you those those who you are called to. Be well, my friends. Peace. All right, so we're going to take a quick break to uh, to honor all those who listen to us and uh, help support this show. And uh, we'll be back in just a couple minutes with part two of this episode of A Priest and a Rabbi. You're listening to A Priest and a Rabbi podcast. If you haven't done so yet, make sure to subscribe. And please leave a rating and a review, five-star rating and a positive review if you can. We certainly appreciate it. That is the best way to make sure that others out there just like you can find this podcast. If you want to get in contact with Father Christian and Rabbi Durbin, you can do so by emailing a priest and a rabbi at gmail.com. And the absolute best way to get a hold of the fellas is to call into the radio show. This podcast airs live on the radio every Friday morning from 9 to 10 a.m. on WSTU 1450. And you can listen live online at WSTU1450.com. And if you want to join the show, you can call in to 772-220-9788. That's 772-220-9788. You. Hey everyone, this is Father Christian here on A uh, Priest and a Rabbi. So happy for you to be here on this podcast with us. And, and I want to uh, let you know that I have uh, started a uh, YouTube channel called Your Favorite Christian. And you can check it out on YouTube. And uh, every Monday I drop a new episode. And it's always through the lens of faith, but taking on different topics such as dating, relationships, marriage, pop culture. Uh, I've done one recently where I went out to the art show and talked about how do we find our relationship with God through all the what all the latest artists are doing. Um, last week was what do women really want um, in a man uh, and interviewing different people to be a part of that. So uh, please check that out on YouTube. Subscribe, like, share, uh, put on the notifications so you get that every Monday. Um, I also want to let you know of uh, we this podcast wouldn't be here if it wasn't for a generous donor from St. Mary's Episcopal Church who wishes to remain anonymous. All he asked, though, was that um, the information gets out that St. Mary's Episcopal Church here in Stewart has a healing center. And so you can call if you're looking for a counselor or someone to be there for you during a challenging time. And you can call the church at 772-287-3244. We also have a group of Stephen ministers who have been trained over 50 hours of training to be with you and walk with you during a time of crisis. They are not counselors. They are trained just to be more of the presence 
um, of, of Christ or and, and walk with you during a time of crisis, whether it's a, a good crisis of having, oh my gosh, my daughter's about to get married, or if there's something a little bit heavier. So give us a call, 772-287-3244, and I thank that anonymous donor who uh, makes this all possible. All right, God bless you, and enjoy the rest of the podcast. And welcome back to part two of A Priest and a Rabbi. This is Father Christian with the ever-handsome Matthew Durbin, who is Rabbi Matthew Durbin, also known as Reverend Matthew Durbin. Um, and we are happy to be here, part two. Part one, we had uh, Reverend Ron Bird, who is the uh, uh, the, the canon for the Episcopal Church talking about empathic listening. Um, and if you missed the first half, please subscribe to our podcast. Uh, jump on whatever podcast platform you are right now. You could just Google a priest and a rabbi podcast. Subscribe, uh, share it, uh, leave a comment. We like to respond to all the comments um, and that will inform our future topics. So you could just find that anywhere uh, that you like um, that does podcast. So uh, we'll continue with this idea of, of uh, this will be a focus of ours on the show is this idea of empathic listening. And that will definitely our, our guest next week is going to be, that's a specialty too. Um, so, so Rev Durbin, uh, you know, what, what are your thoughts on all this? I, on, on what you heard from, from, from Rev Ron. I mean, I think, I think, I think, you know, the way that, that, um, you know, Reverend Ron kind of brought it, uh, you know, brought it through, I think is, is something that we need to heed and certainly listen to of, you know, being that, that, that sympathetic ear to listen, to be able to open up the conversation. I, I like how he used it in a way that said, maybe what we need to do is get out of our own comfort zone and learn and expose ourselves and our own vulnerabilities to, you know, to, to something that we may not be familiar with. Um, and I certainly, I certainly empathize with uh, Rev Ron there. I mean, look, I watch CNN, I watch MSNBC, I watch Fox News, because I feel like I need to know and hear what the other side is saying and what the argument is. I, I just want the full disclosure. I want to be able to be educated enough and to have the facts rather than conjecture, rather, you know, to have the facts so that I can either for myself make my own um, assertion, um, but again, not trying as best I can not to make a judgment call. You know, we look at the effects of, of, of what's going on, you know, and I had this yesterday. So of course, yes, the, the court decision was made and right. The, the streets of Louisville, Kentucky were, were, were ablaze. And I went into a restaurant, um, to get some takeout and on their big screen TV, they had this going on. And I said, man, this is really bad. And the guy behind the counter looked at me and said, no, it's not. And I said, what are you talking about? And he goes, you really think it's going to come down here to Florida? People don't care. And I was shocked. And I remember my response was, you know, I'm not going to get into a fight with you. I'm not going to, I'm not going to raise my voice. But I remember saying, yeah, it does affect me. And it should affect you. And, and, and um, you know, these events that are happening, they should affect you here in South Florida as it does in Kentucky, as it does in any other state in this country. Because at the end of the day, it's about, it's about integrity. It's about, it's about someone's life worth. And, and you're going to define that based on, 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 on gender, or you're going to base that on uh, the color of one's skin. You know, it's, let, let me share with you a story that was, that was posted on Facebook a couple of years ago. 
I love story time with with, with and and and, and let me just give a little 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 caveat to it. Um, we, we have a service that we do. Uh, it's about it, it. It is the last Shabbat of the year before we get to Rosh Hashanah, and it's called Slichot. It is a time, a service of forgiveness. And a couple of years ago, I used this example, and it was re- it, it was tough to it was tough to say because I think if we really listen to the message and the story, um, it should impact us in profound ways. So let me let me share with you the story. And it says that one morning, I walked into a convenience store to get a protein bar. As I walked through the door, I noticed that there were two white police officers, one about my age and the, sev- and the other several years older. They were talking to the clerk, another older white woman behind the counter about the shootings that have gone on in the past few days. They all looked at me and I fell silent. I went about my business to get what I was looking for. And as I turned back up the aisle to pay, the oldest officer was standing at the top of the aisle watching me. As I got closer, he asked how I was doing. Okay, and you? And he looked at me with a strange look and asked me, how are you really doing? I looked at him and said, I'm tired. And his reply was me too. Then he said, I guess it's not easy being either one of us right now, is it? I said, no, it's not. Then he hugged me and I cried. I have never seen that man before in my life. I have no idea why he was moved to talk to me. What I do know is that he and I shared a moment this morning that was absolutely beautiful. No judgments, no justifications, just two people sharing a moment right and i you know when i think about these these challenges i mean that that story says it all two people sharing a moment there were no judgments there was no preconceived notions he wasn't looking at her to say are you a thief are you stealing that protein bar it was you know what in today's culture in today's society it ain't easy being any one of us why does it have to be that difficult in 2020, why does it have to be that difficult? Why are we sharing these stories? Why are we sharing these experiences around our country? It doesn't need to be. I think what we need to do is to be empathetic. Empathetic. You can say empathetic, empathic, you know, whichever one comes out of your mouth through the easiest. Tater tomato, right? We need to listen. And we need to, and, 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 and Reverend Anderson, it's, it's, it's like how you say it, right? We need to be in someone else's shoes. And we're never going to understand what it means to be somebody else until we walk in their shoes. And even if we walk in their shoes, we're not fully going to get the full picture. So where does that leave us? Right. I mean, I think that's the whole point of community policing, right? So community policing is that you really become part of the community. You understand the community, you know the community, you, you know the context, and hopefully then the community gets to know you as a police officer and understands all the anxieties that you go through, right? That, that all the, the, the incredible stress that's upon you and how many times is your life threatened and engaged in a threatening situation just that day before you got to that moment, right? Um, and so in that, what you, the story you just shared was two communities that uh, culture would say are opposed to one another, mm-hmm. finding um, the, the, the singularity of, 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 of just the, the stress and the difficulty of life of, of right now um, and saying it's not easy for either one of us, but then not going any, but going further than that and now dipping from head to heart. 
and now going to compassion. Now, what, now, now the key there though, was that the police officer, um, he, he went to the place of vulnerability. Um, yeah. and, and, and she also didn't, she could have gone off the handle right when she saw him at, at, at the top of the aisle. She could have been like, just, she could have asked it. She was tired. She could have been like, why do you, everywhere I go, you guys are watching me. And so there was many different points where that story could have gone sideways. Um, and I love the fact that the officer says it ain't easy being either one of us right now. It was that the officer recognized the challenge and the stress and certainly the anxiety that this woman of color must have been facing and must have been feeling. There was something there that that officer saw. He saw her humanity. He yeah. saw her integrity of self and self-worth and had the opportunity to say those words, it ain't easy being in either one of us right now, is it? And the fact that he embraced her. Obviously, this is pre-COVID. <laughs> right. Yeah, so it's, it's, it's the, the, the hope. And, and you want to look for these success stories of where that is a, a good launching pad where a community has experienced such good, healthy relationships. And we probably need to research that where you do have these two sides that are opposed to each other. And, and I think starting with the black community and the police department is a great place to start where they have successfully sat down and gone to understand one another and, and, uh, and try to hear each other. It's not just one can rant on the other and the other one has to listen. Um, that both can understand that this ain't easy for either one of us and how are we going to make this better because there's no one trick pony on this i mean there's so much history and so many and so much systematic uh so many systematic issues that are going to keep on causing uh, disparities um, causing people to turn to uh, criminal behavior because the system has oppressed them and to have opportunities to really live a good life i mean there's just so much stuff going on here however um can we as human beings hear one each other and break each other's heart. Um, and, and that hopefully will allow us in our vulnerability to, to I, you know, here it is what I'm thinking about. When you saw what really would get me, and I, and I saw you crying just now when you, when you read the story, that I, I, th I think it was really powerful for our country is that, you know, we, we, we hear a lot of the athletes after the games are mentioning, you know, they're speaking up and they're very, they're very vocal about um, social justice and racial justice. Um, but I think that they, the most uh, productive ones for the country, at least, is when they saw grown men crying, right? This was after Kenosha. This is, you know, the, the last couple where you would see um, like Chris Paul. Um, and, and, and these are just grown men who are out there as warriors on the court um, and they get done with the game and, and they just start crying. And they just say, I'm, I'm, my heart just breaks. Um, I don't, uh, we're just so tired. And to see more, I'm scared for my sons. I'm scared for my children. And everyone can identify with that as a father is worried about his children, right? And it's not coming from a place of anger. I think people listen more when it's coming from a place of vulnerability, right? And when, when it comes from anger, which I get the again, anger, I get and I understand it. Um, but would you agree that people are more willing to listen when it comes from our heart and comes from the pain that's inside of us? Because... But, but, but I think I, I absolutely agree with you, but I also think that part of the challenge is, is that I don't think that we as a society are, are expressing our vulnerability as best as we can. Oh yeah. What is it about vulnerability and being vulnerable 
that that puts up that wall and that barrier that says I'm not going to be vulnerable. I I I need a veil or a protective covering that shields me from the pain and the suffering of the world because I just I, I I'm not ready to to access or to be in it. And I think I think vulnerability and being vulnerable is very 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 difficult and challenging because we see it from the one end that somebody may twist it and say, look how vulnerable that person is. They're weak. It's not being weak. It's showing the fact that I have emotion, that I care about something. And I think when this country wakes up and actually starts caring about our children and about the generations that are to be born and to live in a world that they know that they can be free, we're not free. But how do we move forward? How do we recognize the humanity in every single person? If we truly are B'Tselem Elohim created in God's image, then why the disparaging difference between how we view other people? Yeah, and so I mean, the pushback you, you, you'll hear, and I think we had a guest a couple of weeks ago who would say this, right? Um, and there, they, that, that's a good example. I mean, she came with a lot of heat, right? And so... Um, but I think part of that though, is, is that's just a product of our news cycle, man. Vulnerability doesn't work. It is just dog eat dog. I mean, it is just get good information, know how to debate it hard and just attack the other person and shut them down. That works in a debate, right? Uh, we saw that first in the, the democratic debates, it first started off nice and compassionate. And then it just, the, the, the teeth came out because that's what everyone wants to see. And that's how everyone cheers. So gratefully this year, there'll be no audience there to cheer people on. There is no meat that you can throw to the dogs out in the audience and then to go, yeah, you just got to speak clearly and cleanly and to land your point. But, um, now I forgot what I'm going to say. But I think, I think, I think, I think, I think, I think empathy and the ability to be vulnerable also only works if we ourselves are open enough to receive it, to understand it. And also when we can go back on our own narrative of our own lives, whether it be religious or um, uh, as a faith community, to be able to say, I can empathize because this has affected me in this, this X, Y, or Z way. As a Jew, yeah, I see the plight of of, of, of um, those of uh, every race and every color. I see that as a Jewish issue. I see inequality in our society as a Jewish issue because I know what it is like to be an oppressed stranger. I know what it is like to live in a land that is not my own. And I know what it's like, it's the Jewish story. We were enslaved, we were enslaved people and we know what that is like and we are seemingly free. Remember what it's like, never oppress the stranger. Yet okay, we say these. So do you think, I mean, this, this again is why I think community building is, is so key to this is that, um, I mean, I shared this last night in the webinar that we did. It was, it was called four, four White Men Confessing Their Sins of the Church. <laughs> and then Ron, who's, a, who's, who's, who's an African-American man was the moderator. Um, you know, I said that, listen, you know, I, I went to a boarding school. I, I, you know, it was a diverse boarding school. We left there a little arrogant thinking that we, because it was a very diverse school that we were culturally competent. We understood and we knew how to speak, you know. And you was, went to school with a, uh, you know, renowned, uh, almost Pulitzer Prize winner. Yeah, yeah, exactly. But we left there being like, and we were grateful for that. However, that arrogance, do we really understand the other well? Do we really understand what it's like to walk in someone else's shoes? So. I, you know, I shared last night that it was for me, 
that didn't really happen obviously until you know my marriage right so you you talk about as a jew you could understand what it's like to be oppressed because that is the jewish history so you know for myself that that that's i've married in you know to the family so that's my family so it's very personal to me right so my my wife is african you know my my kid is black and and so therefore all those worries everything's on me and i see i can see through a different lens now too right it's not fully my lens i'm just a straight white male that's the only lens that i got that's all that i see which is going to exclude if you look at our caste system that we have in america if you're a straight white male you're at the top of the caste right so you're not going to see what everyone else goes through in this in this in this country so that's what that's what bothers me is that we're not but, hearing but, but, stories but, of yeah. others who experience the oppression because we're like it's fine everyone's equal but you're like you're a straight white male or you're a straight white woman you don't know what it's like to have these different aggressions every single day of your life and we have to listen to empathize. would it be any different if your relationship with your wife was different if your wife was white would you still be having the same conversation absolutely not no i hear the stories over and over again it, and it becomes my story so what i'm saying not everyone's going to marry someone from another race but 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 that 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 if for us as as people of faith is that if our places of worship are just homogenous they're all black all white all latino we're not doing any good for the kingdom of god we have to hear each other's stories so that empathy can work so i can understand different lenses because if this is america the beautiful for everyone that will ask 10 people from 10 different races or different backgrounds and they're not going to tell you i feel equal that you're going to get 10 very different you but it's, so it's it's there's something that's off here and we need to hear the stories so we care about them and we all have to take responsibility i get it at the end of the day you you have responsibility for yourself you got to pick yourself up by your bootstraps and you don't want a handout i get it i get it i get it however we're also collectivist by nature and individualistic i think the bible supports both and and we need to hear where those are being disenfranchised, where those don't have a fair shake, where those get wear and tear on their soul from not getting fair opportunity um, in, in in this country. And that's only going to happen by listening to the to, to others. It only happens. And so I just pray in my own ministry that I can foster sacred grounds where we can really, truly, from a vulnerable place, hear uh, those who are different from us. And that means also. That means also blacks being able to empathetically listen to whites, right? And understand that. So I think our guest next week is going to talk about that. He's a black man who's been doing racial reconciliation work for 12 years. He says, my work didn't really take off until I can truly sit there and understand the pain and the stress for those who are whites who are accused of racism and prejudice and all this stuff. He's like, you know, they're sick of it too. He's like, they're my brothers and sisters in Christ. Um, and I need to understand that and have compassion for that in order for us to be able to move forward. So, um, yeah, I, I, I truly believe that the, the, the church and the synagogue can be a place for, for us to have these potent conversations because the church and the synagogue is where you bring everyone together. You bring the lawyers, you bring the, uh, um, the politicians, uh, you bring the storytellers, you bring all these people who affect our society. And if we're all hearing each other's stories, maybe that affects different ways of how we approach building our society, how we form our laws, right? Um, but we all need to hear each other. We all need to hear each other. So. Well, you know, listen, man, so I, I, it's, it's, um, will you, do you think you have a, you're in the big part of your Super Bowl right now. So I'm sure you are exhausted. Talk about someone who's tired. Um, and you have quite a bit of sermons. Are these sermons a time for you to talk about current topics? So, I mean, I don't want to, I don't want to reveal too much because obviously I'm, I'm, I'm giving my message on, on, on Sunday night and I'm giving my message on Monday morning. Um, but I, I think, I think 
you know, I spent a lot of time thinking and unpacking on what I want to talk about on this new year. Last week on Rosh Hashanah, I spoke about hope. I spoke about hope. I spoke about where do we see ourselves going in our own society. Um, and then kind of, you know, um, used the, the catalyst for um, um, Beyond Hope, um, you know, this understanding of where we are currently and how we can progress forward. For Yom Kippur, uh, I will be discussing um, some major issues that have ensued within the course of the last week or so uh, and how we can progress forward and where the challenge in our society has really been. Um, you know, on, on, on Sunday night, I am going to be talking about um, um, an issue uh, about, it's not about you or me, it's about all of us, that we actually have to take a stand and be protective for all to whom we come into contact with. Like, there's no way fans are bust. Um, you can take that as a mask issue or a mask mandate. It's not political because it's, it, it, if you make it political, I think what you've done is you've missed, you've missed my message. You've missed the mark. So, yeah, I mean, I think, look, Tons of rabbis around the country will be addressing issues from Breonna Taylor to, uh, you know, to, to, to race, to gender inequality, to um, um, the forest fires, to, to everything that's going on in this in this country and throughout our world. Uh, but I think it's also about how we frame it that becomes impactful. Um, it's a uh, it's a pretty pressure filled, uh, well, at least for me. Uh, next, <laughs> how next you feeling, buddy? Shabbat tonight and Shabbat tomorrow and Yom Kippur on Sunday night and Yom Kippur all day Monday. Um, yeah. And then you take a vacay after this? No, because then we also have Sukkot that comes in. And then oh, after Sukkot, um, we have Simchat Torah when we rejoice around the Torah and God gave us the Torah and we start the cycle all over again. And by then we're talking, it's probably mid-October. Uh, maybe I'll take, uh, I, I think my wife and my family have um, forced me to take uh, a week off work just to... Uh, just, it, it's been a tough season so far. Oh, sure, man. No, absolutely. And then, will you guys go to Disney World? Uh, I don't think we're quite ready yet to 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 to, to go. Dude, I've time to go, man. There's like no one there. Can you imagine going to ride the Avatar rides and only have to wait five minutes in line? True. Yeah. True. You just have to touch a bunch of petri dishes on the way there. That's all you got to do. Absolutely. So, okay, listen, man. All right, so we're we're at the end of the show, but like, tell tell us. Um, so, if, if anyone wants to, which which one of your services can people watch online? Yep. So, uh, just 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 for if people are interested, um, we do have Monday uh, Monday uh, afternoon. Uh, we have at three thirty uh, the afternoon service on Yom Kippur, where we do a bunch of our liturgy. We read the Book of Jonah. Um, it is very impactful, very beautiful. That's at three thirty to around four thirty, quarter to five. Five o'clock, we do a service called Yisker, which is a remembrance service for all those who have passed away in the course of the last year. To Yisker. Whom we are remembering. That's at five o'clock. It's all broadcast on our temple website, tbhfl.org. Um, and then what we call Ne'ila, the concluding part of Yom Kippur. If you are interested, contact the temple office. We are also doing... Um, uh, learning opportunities from 12.30 to 3.30 on Monday afternoon uh, with uh, uh, the rabbis in Vero Beach, in uh, Port St. Lucie, uh, myself, my cantorial soloist, uh, Beth Benamakur, um, uh, rabbis in South Carolina and throughout the country. It is, uh, it is a jam-filled day uh, of reflection and of uh, hard work. So I hope you'll see All right. That's awesome. Now, for all of you guys out there who are not comfortable to go inside of a building of, of religious faith, but you don't want to just watch it online, um, we got a drive-through mass. So this is what this means. You, you, you come in your car, you park in the parking lot of St. Mary's Episcopal Church, right? You sit there and we give you a Zoom link and you can hear everything. You got our musicians inside the church and there's people actually inside the church too as well. 
But you, if you're not comfortable going inside the church, you sit in your car. I'm outside in on an, with an altar. So I preach out there. I celebrate the mass out there. If you're comfortable receiving communion, I'll go to your car and give it to you. So that's at nine o'clock this Sunday. Um, you can go to St. Mary's website, St. Mary's-Stewart.org. Sign up for any of our masses. We are open for business. So please come on up and uh, sign up. We have a 5 p.m. mass, 7 a.m., 9 a.m., and 11 a.m. to up to 25 people. God bless you all. We'll see you here next Friday on A Priest and a Rabbi. Subscribe to the podcast. We love you. Thank you.